All right. <clears throat> Tank cam phones here. Oh, yeah. Recording. Queez, take us on. Intro. Mike and Armand Joe, Queez, we the ones that you can depend on to bring the voices from the inside out. Lie down, but they not locked out. No filter over here. Check, check, check what we be talking about. Feet up in the trenches, Bob. While you're on defenses, metal detector before you enter. Shaky medical and see your stitches. They be pushing their weight around. Educate, didn't have the time to wait around. Taking classes while they played around. That's what we call staying down. What we call staying down. That's what we call staying down. Mike, Armand, Joe, Queez. Dang it, this bitch. Tin can phone. Dang it, this bitch. Dang it, this bitch. Hey, what's happening, man? It's your boy, Misfit Adi. Tin can phone. I got my partner over here, Joe Rosenberger, that is. <laughs> what's happening? What's going on, Queez? Just sitting here with you guys again. I love it every time. Armand, man, it's good to see you. You're looking good. What's happening? You know what? I accidentally shaved off my beard. Thanks a lot, grandmas. I'm live from grandma's house, studios, screwing up my life. Um, but no, that song, no matter how crap of a day I'm having, Adi, that song gets me right. in my high spirit. So thank you. Bless you for that. And, and, and cannot forget the artist himself, Michael Stevenson Jr. I know there's a Bernard in there, but we're going to call him. Uh, yeah, always good to chop it up with you guys. And as astoundingly as it may seem in COVID world, is not easy for us all four to even be together. But because we are the Triforce or the the Captain Captain Planet moment, we are our little insignia rings or little gang tats. We put them together, and here we are. Look at us. We've come a long way. Can I just say one thing? It might not be as long right now as a product for you in the audience, but oh, we man. as a as a unit, as a cohesive unit, have come a long way. It's been over a year. I mean, it feels like five years ago that we were recording in the prison doing interviews, like wondering, can we even interview people? Sure. And Michael was like, I can bring the recorder and we can tell people to come. And it was so uncertain and precarious, like, we didn't know what the we were doing. We didn't know if we were able to do anything. And uh, now we're on episode three and yeah. ready to launch in, into these things. I guess it's, we started talking and thinking about these things two-ish years ago. Yeah. Like we're rounding a third, like it was only even going to be a podcast maybe for a year, but was recording content for like two years there's going to be a book and then we're like this is so good and then blah 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 <laughs> but episode three you are here you heard it first so you're hearing it now we didn't believe it would happen but it's happening <laughs> it's awesome i mean it this is a great way to transition ourselves into our topic for the day if you want to launch us there michael sure um I believe today we are talking about the last 30 days in. Is that correct? Yep. Which temporally um, is an interesting arrangement. And as everyone is experiencing, we're kind of curators. We're like, uh, when you show up somewhere and everyone shows you where the bathroom is, this is us. Like you, sh- you roll up to the gate and we're like, all right, y'all, you're coming in. And this is what you're getting. <laughs> um, and it's pertinent. The last 30 days in is kind of, 
while not the beginning, is in some way the beginning of your experience because this is what's fresh on the guys' minds before they're winding up right here where they're at with you now. So in many ways, this thought process or mentality or experience is like, while it seems like the end to a lot of people who are listening, is actually the beginning of how it interfaces and starts to interact with you in your life because the prison is keeping everyone away. And so this is how folks are coming to you. And so, yeah, please, why don't you kick us off with how that is striking you and how folks are going to be able to learn about that. So long story short, I just really, really need everybody that's dealing with or supporting someone that's incarcerated right now. Um, Take your time, be patient. As we may seem like we have the answer to everything, um, please believe that we don't because we haven't been able to make decisions in such a long time. So please forgive us, but we are men. Last 30 days, stressful. (laughs) It's the most stressful. It's such an oxymoron because the last 30 days is supposed to be like the best time because I'm coming home. Um, People tend to think that, yeah, last 30 days I'm coming home, everything is good, feet kicked up, and it's the total opposite. The last 30 days I'm I'm short-tempered, I'm confused, I'm scared, nervous, you know what I'm saying? If you if you ain't got everything set up, uh, family, um, job, like a lot of people is not going home to that. A lot of people is not going home to that. So it's like, and if you are, you know, going to a family member house, people don't think I'm only going to be okay for a little while because then I become a bill. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, true. yeah, like how, like what happens when you become a bill? Um, you, you begin to think that you're going to be comfortable. Oh, you know, this person has me, this person has me, but you become a light bill. You become a, a water bill. You become food. And then, you know, not learning a, a, a trade or not learning nothing in there. I don't have any job experience. So, and then becoming a second class citizen, because once you're convicted, that's exactly what you become. You know, getting a job is damn near impossible unless it's going to be physical labor. So hopefully you don't have no injuries. So you're thinking about all this your last 30 days. You know what I'm saying? So, so like for me, it's confusing. It's like, what am I really going to do? Because you in there, you can make decisions kind of on the phone and kind of, you know, give give a little direction. But ultimately, the person on the other side of the phone is is making the decisions for you still. You know what I'm saying? So well, we like, get- wait, I love that you're talking about decisions, because like when you're facing your last 30 days, I mean, the entire time that you're there, like you're conscious of decisions that need to be made, but that aren't pressing down on you right now. But your last 30 days, you're like, I got to decide, first of all, everyone's trying to make decisions for you before you get out. Right. And like, you're left with very little choices for yourself. And like, you're just trying to think like, man, what am I going to get from the grocery store? You're so overwhelmed. Well, the last 30 days in, you got to think about this. You're you're distancing yourself from your friends because you know that in their leaving is such a, you know, separation. People deal with separation anxiety because you tie yourself to people in there. When people I know, stop talking to you your last 30 days in. Facts, which is a good thing because it's the short temper. You feel me? Like yeah. you, you, you going to perceive things different. You start seeing things different. You looking at things different. But ultimately it's fear. And like me and Joe spoke upon, upon off camera, when you're in fear is probably when you're at your most dangerous. And I will let Joe speak on that, but I just want to put that out there. It's interesting. I wanted to ask, like, do you, and, and maybe you answered it, but like, and I, I definitely for listeners, they probably make the assumption that like getting ready to get out is like a, a chill time. Yeah. And I've actually witnessed it when people are about to get out and they're like stressed. They're like, I got to 
take care of my business because I'm about to be out of here or things are like, you know, business inside and business outside. That being said, like, do you see people like the pressure eats them and something, you know, that doesn't um, happen it happens? No, for sure. I've seen people get in fights and actually like have a conversation with them like, bro, what's up? You know, you was going home. Like, I ain't ready. I, I, this is home. I know how to cope in here. I could, I could do it in here. I, I can't really, you know, I ain't going home to nothing. So a lot of people, you got to understand, like, you have to deal with that. Like, people may wake up and their agenda is to mess up your time. You know what I'm saying? You got like your kids, you out there, you got to think about your family, good time is you going to get that. Like it's so many different, you know, things that's like, it's on your mind that, you know, sometimes people melt and solitude is the only thing that, you know, they could cope with. So they got to go to solitary confinement. You know what I'm saying? And um, again, that's just ironic that going to the hole may be the best place for you right before you go home. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I know some guys that won't even tell no one their release date. You know what I mean? They keep that information to themselves because it's just like, what's the point? What's the point? You know, you'll you'll know when you get a plastic bowl by your bedside and my mattress is all rolled up, bro. You'll you'll know I'm gone. Can I I just say that, like, like the idea of release is one of the most traumatizing things like our circumstances during incarceration. Like, for one, how you imagine yourself leaving and like perceiving yourself is scary. And it doesn't like how you measure yourself as you think you're going to be. And as you are now, there's this huge gap. You're like, man, I don't know about you guys, but I was like, how am I going to get there? How am I going to get to where I need to be where I'm like, I'm good walking out of here. Cause right now, most of the time I was like, right now I'm not good. Like if they let me out, sure. I'd go have fun, but I don't know what the f- I'm going to do. But you got to think about this, Joe. On a, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I could no, and, well, this just ties back into what you said, please about like decisions being made and like, I, I just keep thinking about, like, while you're there, every decision is made for you, essentially. Yes. And, like, your last 30 days, you're really facing, like, this fact that the, these decisions are all yours now. Like, not like not only do you roll up your stuff and take it with you, your books, your papers, your pens, pencils, whatever you don't leave behind because everyone's trying to get your stuff from you. Like, they hand you your whole life and say, here, this is yours again. We didn't take care of it. Facts. But I'm that's saying, deep. That's deep. Hold on. Can we say that one more time, Joe? Oh, this roll is your you life. Up? Here's your life. We didn't we didn't take care of it. That's how it is. But Queez, I mean, I really want you know, Queez, I want to hear what you're about to, to follow up with on that. Well, no, I was just gonna say, like you was what was you speaking on right before you made that last statement? Well, I mean, I guess we're gonna have to listen to the recording. Exactly. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, I just I was holding my response, but I wanted to respond to that because they're just like feathers in a feather I'm on the, and you hit it and they're like going everywhere <laughs> i'm on the other side of the spectrum and i was wanted to speak on the the other side of what you were speaking on bro but i had to hold it for so long that no I, that's okay i mean i said something about how like people are after every possession you have no listen i just thought about it um people create illusions inside so you, when you go in there, you can create a story and be whoever you want to be. The scary thing is they start believing it themselves. So dudes get a little money from people on the streets. Dudes start, you know, they got a little movement. When they go home, they're like, I'm finna get a Benz. I'm finna, I'm finna get this. I'm finna get that. I'm finna do this. I'm finna, because they could do those things in there and they could tell a, a female on the phone all these things that sound good and then get a little bit of her money. And they could tell their homeboys who's not going to let, who's not going to tell them the truth. And this is another reason, Joe, why I told you I don't do the yard because I'm not going to stand around with a whole bunch of people who are fake friends and tell lies to each other. I won't do it. So when people go home, they create these illusions. They got all these big ideas and then life hit them. And that's when 
Doom, 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 doom. Well, and you know what's funny, Queez, that you say that now I'm starting to like reflect on all the people that I've seen in their last 30 days. And the lying kind of stops. Like when people are approaching that release date, they kind of stop inflating the stories and the lifestyle. And like <laughs> I got this and I got this and I can do this and I've done that. And it's more like you just see some guy who's just like, you know, he's been talking for years about the same shit that everybody else is talking about. And now all of a sudden he's like a few weeks from getting out and you just see this guy sitting on his bunk. He's not saying a word. People are trying to talk to him and he might like play a part in conversation, but it's just secondary. You know what I mean? People fall back. They no longer have something to build up because they're going, they're going back to what to just, Reality. I don't know if anybody else has a description to supply there it would be really useful right now. I can't do it. Well, no, I, when I think of the last 30 days out, and this is just feeding on to what you're saying, I think about my, my last bunkie, Junior. Shout out Junior out in Hillsborough. He'd been doing 15 years he's down, and he was on his last 30 days. And he was talking about these ideas about riding the bus, <laughs> taking all of his possessions that he's had over the 15 years and riding the bus in the max home to Hillsborough and, like, figuring it out. And I was just – and then he's like – how do you get like a taxi cab? And I'm like trying to explain to him like, no, it's all like Uber now. Like people have phones and like, they, they're not going to let you like use their phone to get a ride. But, but like, I, I think people start also depending on how long you've been down, start kind of creating like all these like ideas in their head about like what the world is and then how they're going to just like slide into it. Um, <laughs> if you, if you guys I really like that you that. said that Armand, that was, uh, that was said well, like, I really identify with that because I thought I was going to just like fit right into the world as I was leaving. Just like perfect, cohesive placement. Me in the flow and everything else. But I mean, really, they just like let you out and you're just like tiptoeing around like, okay, I'm I'm ready to get in in now. Where am I going to get? Where am I going to go? And there's, there's a period. I mean, this is, this is another episode, but there's a period where like your first 30 or your last 30 days sets you up to spend your first 30 days, not really fitting in anywhere. Right. Uh, yeah. I let's mean, get it, back to the last 30 days. Well, it's really interesting because like I actually just ran into someone who has been in for five years and like we were texting, like someone text looped him or something. And then like, I ran into him when I was leaving the bathroom or something and he was like, Oh, let me get your number or something. And I was like, we've been texting. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I'm out. Of, I'm out of touch for five years. <laughs> so there's a way in which you're like ready or you're hungry. And that does like build, but then you get out and like things are not what you've you. It's impossible. You're like trying to envision beyond a wall. And so I've also experienced some of what, I mean, some of what the things you guys are saying I, I've seen and, and some of the things I have also seen is like, there's like this, and that echoes what you were talking about, Joe, about like people not lying as much is like people start to get nervous. You know, they're like, oh man, is this going to be ready? Or like, they're talking to whatever officials or you're like waiting or they extend it for 30 days and it's ambiguous. You don't know what's going on. It feels like really uncomfortable. Like people who, who might've, you might've run into them in the past and they had a good day. But people, when they're about to get out, it's like never looks like it looks good for them. But I wanted to, you know, bring up and it's kind of something that we were excited to talk about is how the, the system is, is or is not helping you get ready to get out. 
if I may, because mine's was shaky, up until like the last two days that I had to get out on this transitional short-term leave, I never knew. I had it, I got approved for it. And then like four weeks, four weeks out, it's like, oh, there's no beds. Actually, it was like two weeks. It's like, hey, there's no bed. So you probably gonna get it pushed back. Not all 90 days, but like, you feel me, a couple of weeks of it. So like, I can't communicate with my family on the outside. Like, this is when I'm coming home because I really don't know. It could be, and that's when you start having three release days like this one, this one, or it may be this one. As far as like, I feel like for all three of us right here, the prison allowed certain programs in there for us to to be a part of and, and, and prepare ourselves for transition. Waiting on the prison itself to guide or prepare or to equip guys with the tools um, to be successful upon release. No, they, you know, the 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 adults in custody who they call inmates. The adults in custody create programs, and some programs, you know, come in. You know, however they come in through the prison, it's optional. And I've always said it's optional. Like I decide if I want to get up and go to this class. I don't have a CO or, or a counselor. Like, okay, well, you need to do these programs, and and these, you know, like these school may help you. This college may help you. As they do provide it, all it is is a paper on the bulletin that says this is here. You could do it if you want to if you got the money to do it. So it's kind of up to us to, to be like, you know what? Okay, this college course, this right here, this right here, community, they come in from the streets, uh, the community come in, it'll give me a chance to be around actual people from the street so that I can start seeing how they act and, and, and how they get together because they're getting together in, in, in adults in custody getting together. You feel me? That's too different. You got you got, you got to watch your language. You got to, you know, kind of learn to be back into society because once you caged up, you, you become a monster. And I always ask, man versus monster, safety versus sanity. You know what I'm saying? Joe, Armand, any input on that? I mean, like my, God, my thoughts on like how the institution is designed to like, I guess to, to function with and like alongside a person who's about to get out, right? Because like you're there the whole time and they don't really do anything. And essentially like they're charged with corrections or rehabilitation. And then like the last 30 days is when they step in and they're like, oh, here we are. You've been here for five years, seven years or whatever amount of time. And we're here now and uh, you need to give us this information because we're gonna put you somewhere or here's a list of services you can like reach out for. We just collected them for you. And what else, like, do you have any questions? And then of course, you're so confused. You're so overwhelmed. There's so many things that you're trying to consider. You can't possibly like articulate a question. So you tell your counselor or that's the only person really that exists to answer them. You're like, well, no, not really. I just. I'm just really nervous. And they're like, oh, you're going to be fine. I see, I do this all the time. People go home. It's cool. Go back to you. Know, like you go back to your cell with a piece of paper and some list of like churches you can go to for clothes and food. And you're like, great. And you put it on the, you put it on your desk and you never see it again because that's not what you're worried about. Yeah. You're like, you're great. I can get food from a church one time, but that's going to feed me one time. Right. I can go get a shirt maybe from some clothing bin. But then where am I going to go with that shirt on my back? Because yeah. they're not going to let me stay there. They're going to give me a job and let me keep my life going. So like the state is just like stepping in last minute to be like, hey, everybody, here's a show. 
here's what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting thematic that you've kind of brought up that prison time in some ways in service of you or something like you're going to go in and you'll, you'll be better. And then they're like, okay, the end of the cruise line is over. Like, here's the next step stuff. And like, is just the elucidation of it, of them really dropping the ball of a thing they already dropped the ball on. Yeah. Them not tending to the problem that they created. And also it sounds like it's missing entirely of which not surprised one bit, but is entirely without compassion. So there's no human component. There's no friend, there's no pal. There's like a list and like, you can get your needs. And is is again, the like the neglect mental health is a neglecting of the human as a whole being and needing care and support and appreciation and value and some way to be useful. It could even be unpaid labor, just somewhere to be, some people to be with. Armand, um, I remember like when you were in your last 30 days, I think for a while we were on the same unit before I moved to unit one and was hanging out with Queez and Ben Hall, shout out to Ben Hall. But I remember the last meeting we had with the uh, U of O reading club. And then the last meeting we had, or you had rather with Lib Lit and like everybody was congratulating you. And what's really funny is no one ever congratulates the DOC, even though it's their job to keep you there and get you along and then put you back out. Because like, even though we don't consciously recognize it, we're all aware that they didn't do anything. The bulk of the doing was on you. And I remember all these people saying like, congratulations, Armand, like we're so happy for you. And I also remember you looking like very detached from those moments. You're just like, your face was almost like, what did I do? Like, I just got here. And like, everyone's trying to be happy for you when you're just like, no, 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 no. You guys think I've done something. I haven't done it yet. And no one's going to do it for me. Like the state is pretending. You guys think I've already done it. And here I am knowing that the bulk of what I need to do is undone. And I remember seeing that. And I wonder, I wish I could have seen my own face and my own experience. And I unfortunately wasn't there to, to see Queez off because I got moved to a different facility. But uh, no, Armand, I just, I would love for you to talk about that. About how no, you- because I, I had done 13 months at that point. So I wasn't so lost from the real world i was very much like centric on like oh like i'm about to go out into the real world and now i don't i'm about to go to my mom and dad's house i haven't been there since i was 18 like what business am i gonna do well and how old were you when you released i was 26 i think 26 or 27 i can't remember now 26 yeah yeah i was 26 i believe so I was just like, yeah, first time I used to be the man out on the streets. You know what I mean? Like not pushing Bentleys around, but I always had enough to support myself. Some side chick, you know, have (laughs) some, some stuff going on. People coming to me, a phone, people calling me, you know, business to attend to, or I had a legitimate job, you know, stacked upon all the other bullshit I was doing. So I had none of that. And I didn't know if that was going to be an option again. And I didn't know if I wanted it to be an option again. So I, I was really at a crossroads where I knew I was going back to my mommy and daddy's house. And like we said, right away, my folks made it very clear that I am a check. I am, I'm a burden on their house. You know what I mean? Like you better go work right now and go get us some money because we're struggling ourselves. So, like, 
you know, you've been gone. We've been, we've been giving you a uh, hundred bucks here and there. Like now we need that money back. Bad. So you owe us essentially. So I'm like, <laughs> and Armana, you know what? For one, like before I say that I'm glad about anything, I want to say that I'm very sorry. That's the circumstance. But I am glad that you identified that and that you told us all this because like that is one of the most strugglesome things, if that's even a word, when you're in your last 30 days, right? Is like you have done what you're supposed to, right? Which we've talked about and is a very confusing and confounded subject. But anyway, you've done what you're supposed to do. You've done your time and yet you still owe people. Like you're like, man, I've done what I had to do, but I'm going into another situation where I'm going to be in debt. You've you've repaid your debt to society, and now everyone else has got their hand out. Yeah, like you almost walk out of the gate, and in some ways, the world is there with their hands, like ready for communion. Well, like, so and and to really go hard on this in the lore of Tin Can Phone, the uh, that clip I played from Oh Brother Where Out Thou. And they go in and they're singing on the tin can phone and the black dude's strumming on the banjo. And then they're like excited. They like wrote their name with an X and they got like $10 or whatever. And then these like fat, literally fat, dressed in all white politicians are like walking in. And, you know, George Clooney's characters is like, they'll, they'll pay you to sing in their tin can. And he's like, I ain't singing on, their, on a can. I ain't making a record. I'm going, they're putting me on the radio. And it's like, the reason I even left it in the clip for the show was it was this weird moment where these guys who literally are former convicts who have escaped from prison, they've just had some kind of value. They're really excited about it. And this giant behemoth, both in body and form still have their, they're like big ships moving through crushing what's on its path. And so, and those then, and when we were talking, it's like, yeah, like in Norman's case, it was his family. When he got home, it's not those people in white suits. It's the people between them. They are being crushed by the people in the white suits too. And the system is crushing everyone. And people who are getting incarcerated are not, you know, they are, they are, it's sad and not because it's sad. It is happening in each individual instance, but as a society that we've created a situation where it is oppressed peoples who are helping the oppressed peoples. And there's emotional tension in that situation, which is, terrible and horrible and it does there sometimes it's a cinderella story and often it's that same old story it's not the cinderella story it's everyone <laughs> else at the foot that's too big or too small or something yeah. i knew like just to be like blatantly honest like i knew where i was paroling to you know i didn't choose a halfway house i had the blessing to have my folks but i knew what came with that Sure. New addiction and and you know substance use, all that stuff was gonna be right in my face, and it's just gonna be like, you know, do you want to? If you decide this, like, but like, I wanted something different for my life, so it really, and that was I, on uh, you. That was on you inside, and that was on you when you got out. You know what I mean? And that is what needs to happen. And hopefully, as a as a project and a team, we can create space for. But as you're hearing, listeners. A lot of that is like where people are landing. It can be the sheet that was supposed to be a trampoline and you just smash through into the ground or something with some give, you know, that can let mistakes happen and, and can keep on giving. Because Queez had a different situation. I know because you did your trans leave like in more of like a public transitional housing. 
Yeah, so, can you want to speak a little bit about like what the state at least provides in the sense of that? And that's only in Multnomah County too. That's like I wasn't I didn't sign up to go to the transitional house. You hear me? Like they denied my address, bro. Like on like it was just like I said, my last thirty um didn't even know if I was gonna have a date. Didn't even know you know what my address was gonna be. Didn't know any of that to the last minute. I went to the Shoreline downtown Portland. You know, and the good thing about the shoreline is I had my own space. You feel me? Like I had a, a little apartment. It was it's it's in an old motel building, um, but every room is its own apartment. You get your stove with the two eyes, um, you know, window, your bed, your 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 little TV. You don't get the TV, but your little table. Um, I had everything in there. So my to me, it was it was a blessing because it was my own space. Where other halfway houses and other places you go, it's a house and you're sharing a room with two or three people. Then it's like a bathroom and you don't really get your own space. So and for me, like all I ever wanted was solitude. So all I ever wanted, because I knew I had a baby mom, I knew I had a daughter, I knew I had all these things I was coming home to, and I was ready to come home to that. But I also knew that um, coming from that cage, I had to digress. I had to take that time to um, chill and get in tune with reality, being that this was my second time, equaling up to 10 years, seven times the first time, and, and seven years the first time, and three years this time. So I knew what coming home and coming home hot was going to do. Being a father and, and trying to figure that out, I knew I had to. So the shoreline was a blessing to me because I didn't have to go directly into her house and try to figure that out. I had the time to go there, get a job, learn what it was like to get up at six in the morning and go to work and get off at a certain time and you know and, and get back programmed. So the, the the state did in a way help my transition by giving me the op like the chance to be in my own space compared to another halfway house where. You know, you got to share a room with two or three people and, you know, share the bathroom and stuff like that. Exactly. And they, might, they might be getting high and everything. Joe, Joe, I know you probably had a different experience. I know you had a question for Queez, but you can bring that question on to Queez, but you can also speak upon, I know since you're fresh out, it's been a couple months now, but your situation was different too. Well, and I just also want to say, thank God the system did something, you know, like, <laughs> as a project maybe they didn't get everything wrong and hopefully we can suss that out but I, it works like thank god that's what they're supposed to be doing i i definitely didn't expect us to be like identifying uh successful like outcomes with like by the hand of the system right but here we are and i'm, I'm actually glad for it because we can't just like be like oh we're gonna haphazardly go after the entire structure and tear everything down because there are useful components of it and like what I guess this conversation needs to be more like deliberate in that way of identifying what's good that's happening so that we can hopefully channel resources to what's good. Facts. Instead of just but like, we're taking everything. It's good the individuality and bad. though. Like I but, said, they sometimes provide certain spaces, but it's up to us. They're not gonna tell us what, like I did, like the, the shoreline is downtown Portland on second and Cooch, bruh. You feel me? So like that is dope fiend central, that is, drug central Chinatown. So it's the strong mindedness that i had that due to the state in the in, in columbia river the programs that they allowed in arson social being one of them lib lib being the other one yada i mean family um i was able to learn what it was like to be in reality and was taught that hey where you're going it's infected with all of this so you got to think for the osm i'm strong in the mind 
So I couldn't fail. So, but for average Joe going to the shoreline, bro, as soon as you walk out your door, there's a shelter right there. There's nothing but dope and it's yeah. right there. There's no escaping it. So I just want to, I just, real quick, I want to speak upon being from Portland. That's just how it's been. Those hotels have been owned by the state in as transitional houses and people know what time it is. That's why you, you could see the guys that are fresh out and then freshly getting lit because like, you know, bro, they, they just did five years, 15 years, whatever. And they have a lot of pain. They want to shoot heroin and cause they have nowhere to go. They're lost, et cetera. Yeah. Mr. Joe. System go. Shouts out James Hanley. Um, well, I just want to say, Queez, like you, you just identified that like one of the biggest things that helped you from what I understood you saying is that like, you had programs while you were there and then you had a good program when you got out. The good program when you got out could have been bad if you had came into it bad, but the good programs you were in while you were in set you up to approach this program, which could have been a precarious situation. Like we don't know which way he's going to go. Is he going to be in his room reading or is he going to be out with the dope fiends? Like clearly you got in the mindset of doing good sh- being like in your room, focused, writing poetry, reading, talking to people, having good conversations discussing how you feel and how you relate to the world. That's oh. how you, you were primed for that because you chose to do it inside because those options were available to you. Right. And it's a different story for people who don't even have that availability inside. And they just go out and they're like, well, I'm sitting in my room. And, and I got to tell you, since I've been out, I've been sitting in my room in my own place. And I'm like, wow, I don't have anything to do. And I feel like I'm in prison. All right. And net worth. You feel me? Yeah. I've been thinking about net worth. I got to think about my daughter eating. You know what I'm saying? Royalties and, and, and things like that. So, like I said, just strong in the mind. I was never a dummy. I've been educated and we always speak on education. Like, I've been educated. I just had, I knew, like, well, how can I feed my daughter and how can I make my money work for me? So, yeah, two books we wrote. Shout out. We got the books coming. We got the music. And my daughter, she co writes, she co wrote my books. That's what it is. My music, she's co editing, she's co directing. Like, we just got a revenue network. You feel me? You got to own something. You got to own something to ever, you feel me, be successful. Like they're going to, or you're going to always be in debt. Free ain't free for our people. You feel me? Free ain't free for our people. We got to stop killing each other. We got to stop the violence, start coming together and running business. Invest in people, don't invest in business because without the people, the business ain't going to grow. You know what I'm saying? It's people over profit. I just want y'all to know that, man. Y'all got to stop killing each other, bro. That gang banging is out, man. You know what I'm saying? Be a representation of your community, but you ain't got to kill nobody else for representing theirs. That's what I mean. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you peppering that in and am excited for the kind of like ongoing themes that we'll be able to have access to as a project. Um, but I did want to also echo between what Queez and Joe was saying is the system did, was a character and is like an irremovable character and individuals and in this instance, Joe, Queez, Armand, y'all are characters but the lib lid and the arts and social practice and all these other things are like citizen organized efforts. And so the things that like the state allowed to happen were individuals from the community coming in, touching base, providing skills, offering resources and remains. And like, I was just at a, you know, a fallen brother's house yesterday and he's like kind of coming off of the like, you know, stuff after coming out of prison, coming off the stuff after, you know, like is having a time and it remains these citizen organized entities that are continuing to support. And so the state sometimes plays a role and sometimes that service can be beneficial and is appreciated, but it is also almost never without guidance from non-state individuals. 
that it will will work that the the person using these resources can actually benefit them and doesn't just relapse from some issue and i guess for future pickings which we will touch upon i continue to see that mental health among folks who are aware of it and unaware of it remains un a need unmet so super unmet yeah. i love how you just out i guess you just like walked you talked us through how volunteers are essential to like people recovering within the last 30 days like or getting ready to get out and recover from the experience right and that is essentially what we have like our group is a unit that is made from that from like mike like michael you came in you volunteered you didn't have to like you're not a state person you are your own person independently coming in and like you met each of us individually and like we all somehow knew each other through other groups and uh like i don't know we are an example of a successful i mean um, we really are of but a successful are, unit of people like we met we you. really are yeah we are, we are not just like people shouldn't be like you know tin can fun did it it's like by god holy we made it somehow some kind of way we made it um uh, is a long shot in all kinds of situations and among even my own tenure which is limited like half or more slip again um and people who don't slip or slip in a way where they go back are struggling are uncomfortable like it's not cool and even us are grappling with some stuff so when it looks good it's almost just barely yeah seriously i know so, i know i can speak for myself here and say that like even though we are succeeding as a group that like gathered in the prison when everything was against us success especially i've had my own struggles despite the successful group and project we have going here and I, mean, I know that each of us has. I mean, I can't just say that's for the, those of us that have been incarcerated, but in that particular context, like even with support and being a part of something and like being given group confidence and like being given pr group purpose, despite all those things that build up a person, like the, the experience is entirely crippling and it manifests very heavily in the last 30 days when like you, for one, I know that I felt so heavily alone those last 30 days. Like I knew I was leaving everything that I knew because I, and I was going into something I didn't know and with people I hadn't been around in five years. And uh, this group, this group, I mean, I don't know about Quiz and Armand, but was like it, very grounding for me since you guys were there with me and then are now with me and we are with each other out of there with Michael who came in from the outside who like, I don't know about you guys, but like seeing Michael twice a week in the prison and watching him leave, it was almost like he didn't exist when he wasn't there. You know, and I hate to say that because I know you did, but like, I didn't really believe in anything outside of what was happening in classroom four at Columbia River when you met us there. And when you left that it's like, okay, I'm back to what I need to survive again. And just like having you in my life, like calling me like, hey, you should reach out to me if you need help because I'm here for you. Those things have really kept me going. Those things made me not feel so alone in the last 30 days. 
I mean, and it's interesting too, like those things anyone can do. And I say that a lot, like people are like, wow, this is a cool project. Do you work with the guys? It's like, I mean, I'm doing a very inaccessible, I'm taking a very accessible role. Like anyone can support someone in that way. Um, that being said, I did write you and you only wrote back one time. This guy, he's like, he's yeah, got a you too, Joe. schedule in there, that guy. He's like. Mike, you wrong. You're, you're wrong. You're wrong, brother. Anybody can't do it. It's 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 hard to really support them guys on the inside. And for the fact that you're not trying, and these and dudes feel the way they feel about you, that that says something about your character, brother. But it, it's not easy. A lot of people fail at trying to support them guys on the inside. A lot, and I'm talking about close people, family. Like it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard job. But wait, Queez, it's hard to allow someone to support you. Facts. And yeah. and I love that. Like even though I'm ashamed and embarrassed that I never wrote Mike back, besides the one time. I'm just playing. I know you did write me back, and it was weird because it was to an address. Somehow it was it was the right thing. <laughs> the point so, is, like, it was hard for me to accept that support. And I know Queez, you and I talked about this a lot when we were in the Lewis and Clark and the PSU classes because, like. I, I kept telling him, like, man, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to LibLit. I love it, but I can't go back. Right. And because I I know that these people, like, I know I know who I am next to these people. And I can't let them do I can't let them talk to me, like be kind and support me, because I know who I am. And and they must be mistaken. You know, yeah, that's all trauma, brother. That's trauma you can't accept because you ain't used to it. You know, you you've been hurt and you've been hurt by the ones close to you. And you got that wall up. So anybody that may seem like they're nice or some may seem like they're close to you, you're going to be defensive to that because it's not really your reality. It's not really your life growing up or upon becoming an um, adult in custody. So, of course, how could you give a fuck about me? How could you care about me? How could you want to just see me do good or see me win? Like, we, what we not, we're not going to accept it. And, and usually the people that's really there for us is the ones that we push away. You know what I'm saying? Because... It's the law of attraction. You're not ready to accept that. You, you're not. You're not willing to. You. 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 Your mind, because God's gonna send it your way. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be for you to accept it. And we have to learn to. We have to learn. We have to unlearn everything upon us being released because everything there was just survival, fight or flight from that moment. Especially from what you've seen growing up, and then going into that situation. Hey, it's it's hard, brother. It's hard. Do you, do you remember the other day we were talking on the phone and we were talking about how like. When all you know is loss, when all you know is what it's like to lose things, Facts. then that's, that's all you like allow into your life. Essentially, you get rid of things before you lose them. Facts. And in the last 30 days, like all you've ever known is the last whatever years, months, everything is what it's been like to be without, right? And when, when like the promise of everything coming to you, the like, supporting relationships that you like these, these things that you've like cultivated in classes in groups in clubs, like all that's available. It's right there. But like, you're almost like, I don't want any of that. I don't want that because like, I'm so secure and having nothing and have been for years. It was opposite for me, brother. Like to back what you were speaking on with, with, with arts and social and live lit. I dove into that because usually inner city kids, they join gangs. Why? Because they need that to feel a part of something. They need to feel that, you know, I, I'm a part of this. 
You know, pop's gone, pop's still gone. The homies is gone. We grew up to let the streets be our fathers, but when you get locked up, the streets is gone. When you make a choice that I'm not gonna promote sending my little dudes to kill and, and throw their lives away, and I'm not gonna promote poisoning my city or, or you know, my community, um, you gotta choose something else. So for me, I dove into these programs as if I was diving into the gang, you feel me? Like I had to be a part of something. I told a couple members of Lib Lit, like, hey, I really gotta be a part of this, so I hope y'all ready. Cause when I come home, like I'm finna really, you know, and we finna, we finna push. And it was so surprising to them that somebody actually came home from prison cause it was broken promises so many times that when people come home from prison, they was gonna join the group and they was gonna be there. So many times they didn't. So when I came home and I was present and I really was pushing, it, 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 it's like I pushed too, like they just didn't even understand how to handle me. You know what I'm saying? They didn't understand the weed, smoked the pan sagging. They didn't understand that I'm in the streets with it. They didn't understand like, the, like we, I'm, we come in with it because um, I got to go hard over here because uh, idle hands is the work of the devil. You know what I'm saying? If I get idle and I don't feel like I'm a part of this, I'm going to go back to game. I'm going to go back to what I know, which is the losing mindset. And I always tell my, I always tell the youth, get rid of that what I used to know mindset. Because when you come in with the mindset, if it don't work, I go back to what I used to know you're already setting yourself up to go back to what you used to know. So you may put in one job application and when that one application don't go, you already back to, you know, what you used right. to know. So, you know, it's, it's, it's different. I dove into the programs to have a party and be a part of something so that I didn't go back to what I knew. It's That's awesome. It's interesting. Like one of the, I mean, there's something that you said Queez, a while ago that has stuck with me and I want to bring up, but, Joe, when you were kind of like asking the question, I was thinking of like a dog, right? Like, and you know, when you have, like when you rescue a dog or something and it like kind of acts real crazy, you know, like, oh, like this thing happened, like it got dramatized or, you know, like, and it's like you, people almost understand it with a dog, but like with a human, it's like, cut it out, pull up your bootstraps, let's go. And yeah. there's this invisibilization of this stuff. You're like messed up. And it's like act straight and all the stuff. But I think that's the other thing because when what Joe was saying is like, when you only know how to let misfortune in, that's like what you let in or you attract it. It's like your whole life is designed around it. You don't even like sometimes people, you know, they want to be in relationships, but they don't know how to be loved because they never were. And so these things they need to be taught, they need to be coached. And sometimes that happens in prison and usually it's with the support of other guys inside or a program, usually a program done with outside support and has been discussed, at least by this caucus, programs that are properly run by the state are like weirdly academic and like not actually helpful. And very rarely in certain prison systems all over the world, sometimes you learn a vocational skill and often you can't use the skill that you learn because you can't get a job there. So that dichotomy is interesting, but something that Kui said a long time ago when we were recording kind of the intro for the book. And I can't remember, I think it got edited out, but I, just because there wasn't enough space, but I might've tried to literally capture only that. Queez <laughs> said that like when you were young, and I mean, you might remember, it's something about the jungle. And like when you're in the jungle, you're born, we're born into the jungle and your families, they teach you what you need to survive in the jungle. And then you go through the stuff, but that stuff is not what you need to be like mentally healthy. That stuff is not really how to be a good parent. That stuff is like survival stuff. And that's come up in this conversation too. Like people you sometimes when you don't know what to do, you devolve to survival and the way that you survive is damaging to yourself or others. And so in that conversation earlier, you're like, you're like a snake and you're in the jungle and you got to shed that skin. 
And it's interesting too, and I wanted to bring this up and I was thinking about it before because each of you in your own lives and our own recent past have, you know, had some of that old skin on and I'm like, dog, yes, that skin, oh you are God. done with that skin and you need to shimmy it off and get to the next thing. Um, and I know you know it because that analogy, that wisdom, you taught me that. And so, you know, but like that keeps happening and keeps, keeps needing to happen and needs to be reminded. But um, yeah, we figured out, I wanted to bring that up in this conversation. Please, and possibly Joe question then, why do you think, and this isn't, and this, it does pertain to the first 30 days, it pertains to getting out, but why do we self-sabotage? I know I do it so much. Joe, I've seen glimmers of it. I don't want to speak upon too much from when you've gone out but quiz i know that you have your own ways um, why I, do we do it man i said it three times and joe put me up on it fear fear um, i i would say that like when all you know how to do is pick yourself up out of ruins you're gonna find yourself in some ruins Ooh. that was the one right there when you when you only know how to pick yourself out of ruins you're gonna find yourself up in some ruins. Exactly. Ah, oh, man, that's some wise stuff. And Joe, how old I, are you? I also want to say, uh, uh, Michael, I'm I'm really glad that you brought up something that Queez had said previously because in my recent conversations with Queez outside of the group, just between us, like, I like you know, Queez will call me and I'll be talking, and I realize that I am saying something that Queez taught me, <laughs> and like. <laughs> Various times, and I'm sure almost all your relationships, squeeze and friendships and everything, like you've taught people things, and what I didn't even know that was that was in me still, but I found myself saying it to you, and I was like, "Hold on a second, squeeze, you're the one that told me this." So this is the interesting thing, right? No, a lot of people won't give you recognition, which I don't do it for recognition, but a lot of people don't show love or you know show appreciation for other people until they're dead. So if you notice me, I tell you I love you. I tell you what you mean to me. And I always, you know, let you know, like, bruh, you you my brother. Like, and that don't mean what they mean, like when they say it, cause they say it loosely. Um, because I I need y'all to know that because I recently read that you gotta talk to everybody as if how you would want them to perceive and be if you don't ever talk to them again. You know what I'm saying? So like I just want y'all to know, like I need I need y'all to know. But it's what's interesting is when we was talking and you was telling me these things, I had no clue that it was things that I was telling you that I told you before, because I was so lost in what was going on that. And when you said it, I was just like, oh, shit, that's true. Like, that's some real game right there. Like, that's dope. And then you caught it like, bro, like you told me that. But I was so lost and I'm so not that person or in that mindset that even words from myself didn't sound familiar to me. And y'all have taught me with my own words. Never be too, in my final thoughts, never be too hard to learn. Never be too hard, let, never be too hard to, to, to express your feelings. Kevin Gates always said it, and I live by it. It's cheaper to be yourself, I promise you. Those that are like you are gonna gravitate to you. Those that aren't, aren't, and don't try to make them. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no room out here for a misfit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like really interesting and something that I got some feedback on our episode one or around that universe where folks were saying there's something really poetic about how I don't actually have male friendships and like 
at this point in my life, 90% of my male friendships are folks that I met in prison. And it is that that place, that crucible of knowledge and experience and vulnerability that produced some form of like male person that I would want to enjoy spending time with. Otherwise, it's not something I gravitate towards by preference, desire, or that it's meeting any of my needs. And so want to echo that that is happening, I guess, not just for me and that it is happening on this show and beyond it. And for folks tuning in, like, this is what you're getting. It won't stop. We won't stop. Set us free. And uh, Joe, what are we talking about next week? And we'll just knock this out of the park. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about the first 30 days out immediately after the first 30 days or the last 30 days in. I mean, I guess tune in to find out, but I would say that it is a huge twist and complete contrast compared to what we discussed today. You said something really interesting. You're like, oh man, if only we could talk about this in a direct way. Or someone said something that was like, we can, we are here. We have come and we will conquer. Queens, Armand, where are we going? Let's get out of here. You already know it's Poo's face. Poo's face to kill ain't many illa. Thank you guys for Staying tuned to another episode of Tin Can Phone. My boy Adi, what you gotta say to him? Hey, 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 man, it's that boy Misfit Adi on all platforms. Go, 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 with your guy. Um, listen, we are boo-foo by us, for us. We for the people, we for the community. I always just try to spread the knowledge, man. Quit killing each other, man. Quit the violence, man. Black on black, black on anything, bro. Like, we finna be an extinct people, and it's because of us. I just want to leave a caution on your mind. Is it worse for a white cop to kill a black man or another black man to kill a black man? Huh? Too real to be famous. Joe, do you got anything to say? We're out. They're in our ear. Michael, artist. Out of here. See y'all next time. Adios, guys. We'll see you next time, and thanks again for tuning in to Tin Can. You are listening to the Tin Can Phone Podcast, where you can hear about the influence incarceration has straight from the source. We tell the story from the inside out. So make sure to check us out on KBU Community Radio every first Tuesday at 10 a.m. You can also check us out on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you catch your podcasts. And make sure to give us a follow over at TinCanPhonePodcast.com. See you next time.